You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 125. You can get a proven digital marketing strategy implemented for your game store in the next 24 hours that generates sales and grows your email list at the same time. Using a powerful combination of Facebook and Google ads and email automation, we can plug in our proven digital marketing system and start driving sales and growing an email list for your game store almost immediately, all without you having to write a single ad or newsletter. Of all the strategies we've implemented for game store owners, this particular combo is my favorite. I love being able to generate results quickly and measurably and our clients love it too. If you want to find out how we can plug this system into your business in the next 24 hours, go to maniversesaga.com forward slash autopilot and book a quick consultation call. We'll ask a few questions to see if we're a good fit and then jump into implementing everything right away. No long setup times, no major commitments, and no tech headaches. That's maniversesaga.com forward slash autopilot. Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we explore what it takes to build a successful, friendly local game store. If you like what you hear on today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever fine platform you're listening on. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. As always, you can find the notes and links mentioned in today's episode at maniversesaga.com. We've got Christopher Wood and Dion on the podcast today. Chris is the owner of Modern Tabletop Gaming, a WPM premium store in South Chesterfield, Virginia. MTTG is a fantastically executed game store with an epic sign out front. Definitely appreciate it. I remember looking at that specifically and thinking, like, that, that's a good sign. I like that logo. And today we're going to dig into what makes the store tick and how they earned that WPN premium status. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad you could join me today. And uh, I'm excited to dive into what makes modern tabletop gaming awesome. Oh, yeah, we are too. Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. So, to begin with, the, the very first area of the store, we, let's, let's go back in time. Let's talk about okay. what the beginnings of the business were like. So, what is the origin story of ta- modern tabletop gaming? Well, as you can see, the lovely sign behind us, we established in 2019. Um, I'm actually retired military, uh, and at the time, I was working uh, as an instructor and um, we had a local game store that opened near us. Um, what was the name of it then? Uh, I, I actually, the game room is what he The game it. room. Uh, he had the game store for about a year, roughly, about three days shy of a year. And he had posted randomly out of nowhere, hey, we're going to go ahead and shut down. Uh, my wife said, hey, maybe we should buy that place. It's like four minutes from the house. And, of course, I said, are you crazy? I've been looking at that and dreaming of that for years, but it's going to consume my entire life and um needless to say here i am now obviously things worked out but uh we came to an agreement um we changed the name i remember you know sitting around with about 24 index cards which i wish i would have kept to kind of look back on all the different names we were looking at um and modern tabletop gaming kind of stuck out to us uh mostly you know we can't really infringe on any things from wizards of the coast but the mtg uh we have the mttg going um, so I thought that was kind of unique. Um, then we came up with a color scheme and um, moved into the building, which was roughly about uh, 1,200 square feet. Um, at the time, uh, honestly, what we took over from, um, there wasn't much. I mean, I think maybe two binders, um, no, no, no display cases. There were some things on the wall, some, you know, your typical plastic chairs you get from, you know, Lowe's or wherever, and uh, it wasn't much. Oh, so, you know, we got a loan, and we, yeah, we got a loan, and we went out, and, we, you know, we got to have product to make money, so, uh, and to get people in the seats. So we went out, and, you know, we started growing our inventory. Um, next thing you know, you know, we're, we're sitting on a, a pretty, you know, in, in, intensive uh, Magic Singles collection, and, um, you know, I'm there every day, three or four hours before opening, you know, every time the the guys would come to work. They're like, "Why are you always here?" Oh my gosh, there's there's something new. You know, we just did something new yesterday. We put new shelves in yesterday, so it's a continuous um, growth as, as you go throughout the years of your business. You're always, you know, looking to do something to, you know, take it to the next step. And I, I think that's how we eventually got to WPN Premium um, in that aspect. So that's where it all began in a small little store. Now we've ended up over here on the corner of a major intersection. Uh, 2,500 square feet with the massive, amazing sign outside that we uh, had put in. So that's where we all started. Interesting. So you said you got a loan to begin with. How 
challenging was that? Was that something that you like? Was it a business loan? Was it a personal loan? Like, how did that that whole it process? Was, work? It was personal. Yeah, it was personal. I, um, I I took some personal money and put it into it. Uh, I, I don't think the loan is, is too challenging. You know, you got to do a business plan. You got to submit those things to the, those types of things to the bank. But I mean, for me, it was a little easier because I just took out a personal loan and I'm still, you know, slowly working on uh, paying that back. Um, I have to say it's definitely a grindy business for sure. You're going to, you know, you're not going to make, you know, you're not looking to do this for the um, the money. That's for sure. Um, can there be money made? Absolutely. Um, I, I, I typically keep to people that I, I trust and know work for me. You know, I'm not big on having a, a huge staff of like 10, 15, 20 people. I, I just like having a few local guys, um, and, and then managing it like that. So small, very homey feel. We've always gotten that back from our customers as well. You know, good interaction from us. Um, everybody knows each other when they come here, you know, it's kind of like the old, Cheers, saying you know where everybody knows your name because that's for sure. When everybody comes in here, they 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 know us by name and we know them by name. So yeah, that seems to be a very common theme for some of the for the game stores that play at a really high level. You know, they've gotten to that premium status. Perhaps that seems to be a uh, a very common thread. Like the idea of the the cheers kind of atmosphere, the place where people can come and feel like they've you know they're feel like they're welcome, right? They feel like they've found their their second home or their third place be, between work and home that they can be themselves. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think so, about that? You think about, you know, same thing on the... Uh, so I absolutely believe the community is a very big part of our MTTG community. Uh, I definitely was uh, one of the people here who really wanted to make a very comfortable place for all our commander players, you know, whether they're people who want to play at higher power or lower power, I can sit in all the bots because I have decks for all of them. And I really just try and make sure that everyone's having a comfortable time and that, you know, I even try and cultivate some pods where I see players come in and I'm like, hey, I know your decks aren't as powerful as some of the others. I prefer you sit over here. That way you actually get to play the game. And then other people, I'll be like, I know you're in for more powerful games with, well, you know, less... Uh, <clears throat> less mistakes, more clean gameplay, you probably want to sit over here and eat these people. And, you know, it's just cultivating an experience to really help make sure that people are getting exactly what they're looking for. Mm, yeah. I like that a lot. I like the idea of cultivating and curating the experience for people. And I think, uh, again, that's something that I have mentioned on the podcast several times where I have noticed, having done lots lots of interviews at this point with store owners, one of the personality traits that I see in the ones who are you know, successful and have actually built up a, a powerful or a, a strong community of, of connected people is the the trait to be a host is to be bringing people into your space and making sure that they're having a good time and they're having a good experience and you're like it's not like you're just throwing them to the wolves right you're like all right come on in join your first fm i don't really care if you've ever played before you know cool have fun right hopefully you don't get crushed by the sharks who are here but actually taking the time to be like okay so where are you at you know, gameplay wise, how do you feel about this? Or has this is your first event? You know, are you, are you experienced or are you, you know, maybe you, you're new to this. Okay. Let's find somebody who might be a caretaker or somebody who can kind of show you the ropes a little bit so that you're not, you know, you're not in the deep end right off the bat. And if you can do that, and if you make that part of your, like part of the operation, part of the day to day, I think that really shows that people who come into the store will be taking care. I, I really like that. I think that's a really good indicator that, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why you've kind of gotten to where you are over the past three years, four years of, uh, you know, going from smaller store to moving into the large location and ultimately achieving WPN status. Yeah. Um, and kind of elaborate on that. Like, uh, you're, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about success. And definitely what Dion's saying is the customers. Um, I mean, what, what sets us apart from, you know, people going out to Amazon and Walmart and Target and all these big box stores, you know, yeah, they can get cards there, but they're not going to get that play experience. And um, we do, you know, cultivate a very great experience when the guys walk in the door. Um, we get some new customers, you know, my guys know, hey, greet them, talk to them, what game do they play? Um, if they play Commander, we, we walk them over because as I traveled in the military, I went around to different shops a lot. And one thing I noticed um, when I went to places is I felt very uncomfortable when I'd walk in and there's a lot of people that I don't know, and you're just walking around and, and nobody greets you. I've actually left quite a few card shops where I walked around for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I didn't get greeted, didn't, didn't say anything to me, and I just left because I just felt uncomfortable. 
So it, it's different when you walk right in and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like 30 people in here. And then, you know, hey, how are you doing today? What can I help you with? Um, oh, you play Magic? Oh, what format do you play? Oh, you play Commander? Well, we do Commander on this night, this night, this night, this night. Um, let me introduce you some of our players. We walk them over and, hey, this is so-and-so. And we, you know, shake hands and greet. And then what kind of decks do you play? And exactly what Dion was saying. And I think, because Commander is probably the biggest, most popular casual format that, that Magic has. And to, 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 they just, you didn't say anything to them. They would just walk in and, you know, they just walk around blindly and they wouldn't have any information and they wouldn't feel at home. So I think making them feel at home wants them to return. Um, and we, we've grown that Commander crowd, like, we, it's 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 pretty packed in here usually, um, unless it's raining out. People don't typically want to travel out for some reason when it's raining, as yesterday was. It was pouring, and our crowd was a little bit smaller yesterday. But um, you know, you 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 succeed off the customers, you know. And if if you look at your business model from that perspective, then what can you do for them? You know, we give away promos and random play mats and all those types of things because it's like, hey, we appreciate you being here. So who's going to win something tonight? They know every night that they come to Commander, there is a random giveaway. So it's giving back to them. So hopefully they keep coming back to us. The consummate host. It just, I, I feel like we're, we're constantly going back to that uh, that theme again, just like making sure people are, are having a good time, making sure that they are welcomed and they feel like they're not being, uh, they're not coming into an intimidating space. And uh, yeah, I, it actually reminded me in one of the interviews that I just recently recorded with another shop, another store owner, he used the metaphor of comparing the game store to a gym, like a you know, weightlifting okay. gym, right? Like if you're coming yep. into the shop for the first time, you can feel like even if you like, especially if you're not used to maybe being in that sort of a space, it can feel very intimidating, right? Because you see all these people maybe playing games that you don't know, you don't, you don't know anybody, you're a stranger in a strange land and, you know, it can feel like maybe this isn't the place for you, right? But having somebody kind of bring you in, and I think this is a, one of the reasons why the uh, hobby industry proliferates through word of mouth, friends sharing their hobbies with friends. It's because that kind of short circuits that uh, initial barrier of entry of, well, I've got a friend here who's going to help me integrate into this community, right? They're going to show me what's happening. They're going to help me not make the mistakes of, you know, the, the rookie mistakes of, of, uh, joining the game and, and maybe bringing your intro deck to somebody who's, to the commander table that's playing with power or something like that, right? Yeah. And then everyone's having a, a rough time when it comes to that kind of thing. But going out of your way to make, make sure that that initial barrier is less intimidating and kind of really welcoming them in and doing that like... Uh, the white glove service. Okay, let me show you the show you what's happening, right? Like, let me tell you what the community is all about. Let me tell you what the shop is all about. Let, let me tell you about the games, and help you, you know, successfully integrate into this community. And then maybe you will become a long-term customer, right? You'll you'll be with us for the next several years potentially. So, first couple of years, a lot of things happen, right? We're yeah. four years in. In that first twelve months, twenty-four months. What were some of the, what were some of the lessons that you learned early on that uh, you think maybe you wouldn't have, have thought of prior to opening the store? Was there something that you discovered that you were like, oh, I didn't realize that this was going to be this way? What were those initial uh, opening years like? For me, uh, I think so. I was a Magic the Gathering player, and with Dungeons and Dragons, you know, I'd, I'd never touched that before, so I, I didn't have any clue. Um, but as that first year began, I started to see the amount of, you know, people that were really, in, you know, into the, the Dungeons and Dragons realm. And we had uh, at the old store that the previous owner had, you know, had a few dungeon masters and players. So we kind of continued and picked up with that. But then I realized in that first two, three months, we, we didn't even have enough space to fit the amount of people who wanted to play in that. Uh, and that's why I'm glad where we're at now. We have a very nice custom Dungeons and Dragons room behind us, probably not to toot our own horn or anything, but like probably one of the nicest rooms that I've seen like around anywhere. Like it's very we nice. got the fireplace, the lanterns, the, <clears throat> the, the 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 whole tavern going, you know, those types of things. Um, but I think, like you were saying, the lesson learned there was that there's more games beyond Magic: The Gathering. You know, there's other things. There's Dungeons and Dragons. There's um, you know, Flesh and Blood. Those types of games. A hard lesson was that with with saying that is that there are numerous games that are coming out. I, I could not, I never even fathomed until I became a store owner, because I, like, again, I was just a Magic player, so 
now it's like, oh my God, there's almost 100, 200 board games a month coming out. And on top of that, there's dozens and dozens of trading card games coming out every year. So as I'm working with those distributors, they're trying to push these games on you, um, which is their job, you know, and we pick these games up, but then I find that being a very small business like that, these games aren't thriving. So I won't mention any of those games, but you pick this game up and then you spent X amount of dollars for product and you do a learn to play, you do all those things to try to get people into it. Um, and you start learning that the gaming community is very niche. It's very small. Um, you try to, it's very hard to grow people that aren't really into gaming into the store. So if you got your Magic the Gathering crowd, which makes up 90% of your card players and you got a new trading card game coming out, you're probably trying to pull from that same pool of people to play another card game. Um, so I guess I would say to other store owners who are growing and doing those types of things, you know, just be a little weary on what you're picking up. Um, do some research on it. Uh, maybe put some feelers out there through your, your Discord and your uh, customers like, hey, are you guys interested in this game? But I also caution you with that because, you know, we've had customers that have come in and say, hey, pick this up, pick this up. We're going to play it. We're going to play it. And we, we do a few months of, of gaming and, you know, we're getting like five or six people thinking we're going to grow it. And then all of a sudden that month comes or nobody's showing up and you come in and work every day. You look at the shelf and you're like sitting on, you know, X amount of product. Now you got to go ship it off on eBay and you're going to lose money on that. So the old adage of stick to what you know is, is, is very important to kind of stick to that for a while and just maybe pick a few small things here and there to try. Um, also, don't try to do everything yourself. Because with the D&D, I've only played it twice, and I actually loved it. He's my D&D guy. So he can tell you everything about D&D. He plays every week in the store. He, he works at the store. Um, and when people come in, you know, I, if they have a Dungeons & Dragons question, he's here, he'll, he'll answer them for them. So with that, you know, don't be afraid to have your loyal customers or employees that are there to explain things to them. We've had customers that have come in, and we've been real busy, and they've been with us for three or four years, and somebody will come in or ask them about Dungeons and Dragons, and they're like, they'll just get up, like, oh, let me show you in the back our Dungeons and Dragons room, and then we got our calendar on the shelf over there, and they'll show them like, so they're like an extension of the store, they're like a family, you know, they're like, hey, let me show you what we do here, and then you know they sit down after they leave, and I hey, appreciate it, and then we're a little busy, but I'm glad you stepped in, I really appreciate that. So I think that again comes back to what we're talking about, taking care of the customers and creating that space. They they want people to come here. They want people to come and play. So um, just be cautious, again, on what you pick up. But again, don't be afraid to have people that are wanting to do those games be the ones that kind of learn it and kind of help you out with it a little bit. Um, I think that's a very important lesson there when growing. Or you're going to find yourself with a lot of backstock on a game that nobody's playing. Right. Shoehorning yourself into one thing doesn't really help you yeah. when you're trying to grow and expand outward. Absolutely. Right. You know, it's, an, it's an interesting balance between the core products that you know are going to be successful to some extent. Like, you know, you, you got a good bet that Magic's going to do a good job for you, right? Like, people play Magic, love Magic, Magic's going to sell. But, you know, I guess Flesh and Blood is a pretty good example of something that worked out, but couldn't, might not have worked out just as easily, right? Like, it, it took off and there was enough adoption that it made its way into the, the community and it's a good, it's another, you know, business line, but yeah. it very well could have been just could have fizzled out like a number of other, you know, trading card games that have come and gone over the past couple of years. It's hard to really know right. when it's time to be like, okay, there might be a community here. There might be enough here to make a go of this and make this something that we can carry on a consistent evergreen basis. Right. It's really, that's a, that's a very fine line between, figuring out when to expand and when to extend and take a risk on something that may or may not play out and uh, when to like double down perhaps on something that you know is definitely going to continue you know, selling for you. Definitely an interesting lesson to learn. And that's, it's going to be different for every single, like your local community will very much impact whether or not something's going to work for you. So it's not a one size fits all. Every game store should be doing this kind of carrying these kinds of game lines. Very, uh, yeah, very particular depending on the group that you've got going on so you mentioned that you you like you put out some feelers you checked in with your 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 community you have a discord and you you, you uh, ask some questions about what people would like and then you also mentioned that sometimes people are like oh 
you should get game X. I love this. This is going to be a great game. You should definitely carry this line. It's going to be great. All me and my friends are going to buy tons and tons of product, you know, if you get it on the shelves. And then it turns out that, you know, they're not not as uh, interested in following up on that promise as they, as they seemed. How do you know the difference? Well, honestly, what I've learned, because I, I can't remember the games I picked up. Um, we did two different games, and we picked them up, and it just died so quickly. Um, so I did not jump on the flesh and blood bandwagon right away. Um, my distributor was like, hey, you're missing out. He kept telling me, you're missing out, dude. This game's going to be great. And I'm like, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm growing right now. At the time, I was trying to move locations, um, save money, and I just didn't want to see that back stock. So if you're familiar with the game at all, like the beginning, like those first edition boxes, you know, grew to a point where they were going for thousands of dollars. And then I started going, man, maybe, maybe there is a thing here. Um, you know, so I, did, I read some articles. I talked to some local people. Um, another store owner, um, we talked a lot about it, and he was getting a very good crowd. And he's about 50 minutes from here, north. And um, I was like, man, maybe we, maybe we can try this thing out. So we started getting some decks in, and we started doing some learn-to-plays. And um, it, it's been rough waters trying to, trying to get people to play. Because, again, you're kind of pulling from the same crowd, kind of. Um, and we got a lot of Magic players into it, but they just kind of fell right back into the Magic realm again. Um, I don't think there's no perfect answer to that question of, you know, how do you really figure out what's going to work? Because, like I said, everybody's going to come in here all the time wanting to play the coolest game. Hey, get One Piece. Get One Piece. It's going to be awesome. Hey, get Disney Lorcana. It's going to be awesome. But you don't know unless you try it. So I think going back to the previous conversation is kind of you – Pick the ones you want to choose and don't choose them all. And if you miss out, you can always still get on the boat eventually. So am I upset that I missed Flesh and Blood in the beginning? No. Uh, I could have had a back stock of inventory of boxes worth lots of money, but it wasn't really about that. It really, if you just treat it like the community, all right, is this going to be a good community to, to have and it's going to work? And I started seeing that Flesh and Blood was picking up and it is a great game. Um, you know, I think we're getting on an average night, you know, six to eight people, which isn't a ton of people, but... It's enough to for an event and for those people to know that when they come to the store, hey, there's going to be a flesh and blood event. Um, and we were able in the past with that game to, you know, we've hosted some pro quests and some other big events here. We had 30 plus people in the store that came from all over in the area. So there's going to be duds and there's going to be good ones, um, probably more duds than good ones because, you know, magic is magic has been. The, I've been playing magic since 96 and it's been the game of, you know, the premier game that's been around. It's the game that most games are modeled off of and you i guess you can't look at the other games and say oh i hope this is the next magic you just got to say hey is this a good enough game for there to be a community a good example of that is uh i knew nothing about digimon but believe it or not we picked up digimon maybe three months ago yeah we had a couple guys who really were interested in it and they said that they'd tell their friends about it and then once they told their friends about it we got this huge expanding group digimon is starting to get more people than flesh and blood now and yeah. it is very big events when they happen now. Yeah, I mean, we had 17 last week on a Tuesday night. Right. Which is yeah. bigger than any other crowd we have on a weeknight, really, besides right. Commander. Commander. Commander's the biggest. But, um, yeah, I, I think you just got to be cautious. You don't overbuy. Try it out. Um, market. If you don't market it, then nobody's going to know about it either. So if the one guy comes in and tells you about it, and you're not in Discord, you know, going, hey, there's this game coming out. Here's a link to their website, and here's here's an example. Um, you know, do some uh, promos with it. Hey, we got some decks here on sale. Or if you come to the Learn and Play, uh, we had a lot of our customers that wanted to play it. They actually built a bunch of pre-cons, like 15 of them. So during our Learn to Play, the store didn't have, any, have to do anything, really. It was the cut the players the player base wanted more players so hey come learn to play we'll teach you and by the way i got decks right here so for me the cost was nothing you know hey show up and play and then out of you know 10 people that show up hopefully 30 40 percent stick around you want them all to stick around but if you get a few of them you know it just keeps growing um so i think that's kind of the thing for new card games it's, it's challenging but you just got to find what what works for you again stick to what you know Try a few things, but don't try them all. If you try them all, that's gonna be you're gonna be deep yeah. in product. Yeah, you're gonna end up uh, fatally overstocked <laughs> eventually. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I think my thought on that is basically don't let FOMO dictate your buying decisions. I think that's a 
like as a baseline. That's just one thing to like. Don't worry about too much about missing the boat, or you know, missing out on the new, the next wave, the next trend, or something like that. Because if you're constantly chasing that, you're going to lose more than you're going to win. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned marketing, my favorite topic. That's one thing that oh, we always touch on all the time. So. What do you do for uh, marketing? Well, how do you go out and like find new people? What what kinds of uh, things do you do you put out there into the into the world? Do you use like do you, do you do advertising? Do you do radio ads? You know what kind of stuff do you uh, are you making use of at the moment? Uh, so we do quite a bit. Um, we actually had a voice actor uh, come in a few months ago, and we did a commercial. Um, it was actually pretty cool. He's a voice actor. He's got some Netflix stuff too. So I thought it was really cool that he came in and was doing that for us. Um, but the backpedal a little bit, you got to start with a very small base, you know, you know, your Facebook, your discord discord is, I didn't know anything about discord actually. So going back kind of the growing story, um, my kids, you know, knew what discord was and they completely, I didn't set up discord at all. They completely did it for me. Um, I know how to use it now, but discord is such a simple way to advertise. You can create your events in there. You can create so many categories. Hey, here's new products. Here's new um, games coming out. Here's the D&D section. Here's the magic section. Here's a flesh and blood section. Here's all these different categories. So that's simple marketing right there. If you're not doing that from the, the very the very least, then your big marketing, I don't think, is, is going to pay off as much as your small marketing is. Flyers, uh, calendars, the commercial we did. Um, Word of mouth is definitely a big one. Word of mouth is probably the number one. I mean, I know that's kind of hard. That's not. I mean, I guess that is marketing, but um, because it, again, go back to the customer thing we talked about. These guys leave here, and we have shirts we sell. They wear their shirts to the store. They, we got pens. They wear their pen. You know, you just never know who's going to pick up that pen and go, oh, um, there's a gaming store in Chester. Because you know, we're in a smaller community south of Richmond. You don't know how many times a week since we've been open, somebody walks in and says, I didn't know you guys existed. I live five blocks from here, or I didn't know you were here until I saw a guy that works at Target told me about you down the road. And we get that all the time. Like people just, they love it. So they, they want to tell people about it. So that's, that's one of the best marketing. Like you said, word of mouth. There's something else. Do you else do anything to encourage word of mouth in particular? Like other than like the, the merch and the shirts and putting your logo on stuff like that, that kind of naturally spreads that? Uh, we haven't really delved into something like that. Um, I think honestly, we... We just treat everybody so well and, and, you know, make it so homey for them when they come here and want to play that they, they just want to tell people about the store. I think my favorite piece of marketing that we do have is uh, our business cards are actually shaped like Magic the Gathering lands. Uh, it's legendary land, modern tabletop gaming. It has all our information on it. And we just hand them out. We tell people, take as many as you need. I actually right. have a few in my wallet. And when I go places where I feel like, you know, people could join the community and really help us grow, I hand out a couple. Yeah. That's that's a good point too. Our cards, we love our business cards. Slide them into their trading card binders when you're you're working with them. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just keep sometimes, these with you. Sometimes I'll leave them on shelves, at random stores, sometimes. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's something else marketing I was trying to think of. We do. Um, oh, flyers. So, you know, creating that flyer for the events you got coming up, putting those out there, um, linking a calendar to your website. We have a website as well. Uh, I think if as a store, if you want to grow, having a website's important. Um, we have a newsletter. We've looked at some other marketing things that didn't work out, um, you know, through some point of sale systems, and we're kind of relooking at that again. But you also get, you know, the posters like you see behind us. You got all the marketing back here for all the different magic sets that come out. Uh, decorating your store—that's marketing. People come in and they see the uh, newest magic set coming out. Um, we just got our premium posters in yesterday, actually, for our first. It's our first premium stuff we're getting of, you know, for um, the new set for XE All Be One. So having that in the store, people will, wow, that's a great poster. Or hopefully they see it and go, oh man, when's that coming out? So it gets them thinking like, oh, pre-release is coming up next weekend. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, did you think about joining our event? It's Friday night. Oh, and by the way, on Friday night we do free pizza. Hmm. That's another marketing thing we do is the free pizza on Friday night. It packs the house in here on Friday night. 40, 50 people, are, you know, they're all about getting that two slices of pizza. So. <laughs> Uh, another piece food. of marketing. 
Oh, I apologize. Another piece of marketing that <clears throat> I also enjoy that we really have is on our TVs that we have displayed on the wall, they'll actually rotate out uh, through our weekly events of what's coming up. I've actually had a couple commander players who come in, brand new people. They're just like, yeah, you guys here to play commander? They're like, yeah, we stopped in the store a couple minutes ago, uh, a couple days ago, but we happened to see on the TV because you guys were really busy. We didn't want to interrupt. We saw on the TV your commander day, so we decided to come on those. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry we missed you. But, you know, here's some pods. What are you looking for, you know, in your gameplay? And we'll move them over there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like a, you know, 24-7 salesperson for you, kind of sharing the info and, and letting people know what's going on at the store without having to physically take up your time. Right. Do you do, do you have somebody on your team or do you do the graphics and the design and all that stuff yourself? Like, how do you make all these, you know, images for the, the TV and the marketing and all that? I, I do them myself. I use a website called Canva. Um, yeah. Any store owner out there, if you've never used that, I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have Canva, or if you're paying somebody, so I, one thing I'm big on time, and I like paying people to do stuff for me that that I can. But I, I do my marketing myself, um, and because Canva is so simplistic, if you've already downloaded all your, you know, your your images and things you need to do, you could probably build a nice, beautiful, amazing flyer in a matter of ten minutes. You know, you get up, you get your coffee for the morning, and you just make your flyer for that pre-release coming out next month or two months from now. Um, I, I pay for that subscription, and that's probably been one of my favorite programs I've ever used when it comes to things in the store for marketing. Yeah, I love Canva. I recommend it a lot. I use it every day. It's a Yeah, it's really good. You don't have Photoshop? You don't need like you don't need Photoshop. You can you use don't. a lot with a very simple browser-based uh, you know, uh, graphic app, right? It's it's fantastic. We we talked about, you know, lessons learned, maybe some hard hard lessons in the beginning. What's uh what are some of the things that you've you've learned over the past several years now uh, that you like you you hit the nail on the head you know, like this was a big win what's something that you feel like you know other store owners should be like this is exactly what you need to be paying attention to you know this kind of a thing was a was a major uh, major success this is gonna sound kind of uh, weird maybe but you know having a really clean store I, <laughs> you've got to start with the customers and after that make sure your store is clean um, it, you walk in, the worst thing you can do is walk into, you know, stuff all over the place, you know, trash and chips and from weeks ago. And, yeah, having a clean store is important. You'd be surprised how many people, we had a customer come in the other day, and they were like, man, it smells good in here. And I'm like, well, that's good to know. Right. We got these little air fresheners everywhere. So that might sound really small to some people out there right now, but I'm telling you, if you – you could be 100% successful just off a clean store and treat people right. Like and you, 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 you would just compact that. I, I know it sounds so simple, but I'm actually, I've been doing this four years, which isn't a long time, but you know, we've gotten to where we're at based off simply, you know, taking care of those guys and creating a clean place. And of course, I mean, on top of that, you got to have product. We talked about that a while back, but yeah, you got to have product um, and the right product, you know, deck boxes, play mats, magic products, seal product, singles, those types of things. That is one of the things I think we hit on the net. The nail on the head is oh. <clears throat> the fact that we always have things so well organized in our spaces. We've got all the magic stuff in one spot. Right next to that is where the D and D stuff kicks in. Mm -hmm. And then once the wall starts, it's dice. Then it's books. Then it's uh, figurines. And then we move on to the next thing, like Pokemon. And then we move on to the next thing, which is board games. And they're all kept in such compact areas. You always know where you want to go to right. look for those things. If I'm looking for a dice, I'm going to go look where the D&D section is. And then while I'm over there, oh, maybe I need another book or some more spell cards or, hey, there's figurines and models right there. It's just a nice, easy follow-up. That's true. I never thought about that. Right. Right. We do keep that. You walk in magic into Pokemon and to, you know, everything. So, yeah, right. having stuff organized uh, worked really well as well. Right. All right. So we're back. We had some technical difficulties. Uh, unfortunately, my power went out for uh, several hours, actually, uh, back, back when we were originally recording first half of this conversation, but we're back and we're, we're going to pick up where we left off. So we were talking about the successes that you've had at the store and the things that you believed uh, game store owners should be paying attention to right now. So what, what's worked for modern tabletop gaming that you think other game store owners should probably be paying attention to? Uh, another thing I was actually kind of thinking about since the power outage um, was, uh, you know, we talked about marketing a little bit, so it kind of goes along with that, but also, uh, you know, pre-orders for items. So one thing I've learned about gamers, and I, I hate to be stereotypical, but I think Dion can also attest to this, is 
they're kind of very unaware sometimes of what's coming out. We can have posters in the store right in your face when you walk in. We put signs right at the register, um, what, months in advance. Hey, this set's coming out. Hey, we got pre-orders. And we will have people walk up two months later. Hey, when are you taking pre-orders for this? It's like, this has been here for two months. So um, one thing we do that makes us successful with that is uh, we, we, when we get the product in, for one, like this week, we got the new set coming out. We actually put it all out on the shelf, obviously with a sign that says, hey, not available till February 3rd, but um, this week alone doing that, we've actually taken in probably a, a dozen pre-orders just off of that because most of them walked to the counter and went, oh, we can buy that now? And I said, no, but you can go ahead and pre-order it for Friday, and they did a pre-order. So that works, advertising, um, and constantly you know, putting it out there. Also, don't be afraid uh, when you're running events to make those announcements as well. I always make notes before big events uh, he always sees me making little notes and then I'll say, Hey, before we get started, um, couple things, you know, next week we got this going on, we got this going on. And I, I just think that gets people, um, kind of re-triggers their, their memory. Cause at the end of the day, people have lives and hopefully that's the most important thing first <laughs> and then gaming. But, um, they tend to forget about, you know, the new sets, the, the events that are going on. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, you have other competing, um, uh, stores around you know while we all do work together it's it's you know you want to put you put it out there and remind them that hey our event is this this uh this friday like for one thing we do um that's unique to us and i've always been told that when you have other people that you're kind of competing with or what, what do you do different so one thing we do different on fridays is like free pizza you know mm -hmm. hey i got free pizza on friday at pre-release so that's a, that's been a big success for us i think that's a great point i think that's something that a lot of people forget about and I, I think this happens in all spheres of life when you're in something and it's like it's your day-to-day -day, it's your it's everything that you do you think about it all the time like you're in the store everything that's happening in the store all the product all the stuff all that everything that's happening you're immersed in it and you think or you can easily make the mistake that since this is everything that i think about and i know everything about what's going on that other people probably know as well and we make this this you know, cognitive error all the time. We assume that the things that we know, other people just like, they must know this too, right? And it's a very easy uh, easy error to make, to think that like, oh, I've got all those events, I've got the calendar up there. Everybody who comes in the door should know exactly what's happening in, this, in the store at all times. And they should know what every event is, and they should know all the times and all the costs and everything that's happening. But you actually have to go out there and, and, and remind them. You have to tell them, okay, this is, this is the thing that's happening. And then also, like you said, you have to point it out because sometimes the person, you know, they might, oh yeah, the pre-release is coming up. That's really cool. And then like a couple of weeks go by and, you know, life gets in the way and things happen. You have to like, generally remind them that, hey, did you know the pre-release is coming? Are you going to join us? And they're like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that because whatever. I really wanted to do that. Thank you for reminding me. And there's this, uh, one of the things that I've noticed from a lot of game stores is this reluctance to, uh, to intrude on someone's life like they feel like if you're gonna be marketing or you're gonna go out there and tell somebody about what you're doing that's pushy right like that's like i'm getting in their way and i'm i just want to you know i just want to do my games and have people come to me like, no no you have to be active and you got to get out there and you got to tell these people that this is what's happening you have to gently remind them constantly because life is always going to get in the way um, another thing too, I just thought about was, uh, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to, you know, make it about, you know, having fun. Um, sometimes a lot of stores get caught up in the, you know, the big events, which I did for a while because I got the new big glamorous store with all these seats now. And I'm like, oh, we're running RCQs. I'm super excited. We got people coming in the store. Um, but you know, we do other things too. Uh, for Halloween, we had a Halloween costume party. So, you know, let these guys come out and even though some of them dress up uh, outside of Halloween, that's fine. Um, <laughs> they they come in their characters, but uh, you know we you know do a party. We put out cookies and snacks and drinks for free, and you know just come come dressed and have a. We had a what was it a costume contest, and right. the winner got a, a whole booster box for you know the best costume. So you know it's just again small things that may seem like some people might look at it and go, oh, I'm not giving away a booster box for free, but you know, it's it's a small price to pay to, to get people to come and have fun and want to come back. 
Right. I definitely think an important thing uh, about that we've hit very well, nail on the head, is giving back to your community. You know, it's very important to make sure that when it comes to having that experience to make sure that people feel welcome and that people also are incentivized to come back even if that's just nice people and the store smelling good like we talked about small giveaways like we do sometimes with our uh events like during commander nights and even then just doing small things like having pizza during pre-release or doing halloween parties you know definitely making the community more than just about magic the gathering and also just about having a good store in general you know it's keeping that community outreach which is something that we really worked on yeah you can invest as long as it's you know operationally everything's still running smoothly you can still pay yourself you can still pay your employees you know don't give away everything for free just in order to get people in the door but like do the math and, and figure out what can you invest into somebody in order for them to feel welcome right to, to want to come back on a consistent you know hopefully weekly basis or semi or even more than that right uh, yeah. what does it take to get somebody to be a really uh, regular, active, you know, and, and valuable to the business lifetime customer. Uh, if you can do something to create an environment that that incentivizes that, it is worth it in the long run, right? It comes back to the shop. It comes back to uh, like it makes everything better, right? It makes the experience better because there's a there's a point where I think of uh, certain brands like Apple and, and stuff like that that the customers want to spend their money with those companies, right? They go out of their way to be customers. They like to spend money on the new devices and the new uh, computers and phones and whatever else because they start to identify with the brand. And I think game stores have the power to do that as well. You can create customers that want, that they, they don't just play your store. They almost identify with your store. Yeah, and with, that's funny you say that, identify with your store. Um, I'm not sure if we previously covered, I can't remember, but like we, you know, we created uh, modern tabletop uh, jerseys that, um, we did so when the RCQs kicked off again. Uh, we kind of offered this little incentive. We did was, hey, if you wear our jersey to other stores or other big events, um, and you top eight, we covered your entry fee for that RCQ. Um, we recently stopped doing that because it was getting a lot of our players were just top eighting like crazy. So <laughs> I was like you said, I was kind of like uh, you know breaking the bank a little bit there. But you know we've also gotten to a point now where. Um, our players are, are wearing it out of pride. Um, so funny story. Uh, I got a text. So my, my, one of my main distributors I was using, the main guy I was talking to for working with for three years, uh, left that company. And I got a text from him randomly, a picture. Um, and he was at, I think recently was Star City Philly was a few, like a month ago or so. And he, two of my players were there walking around playing in the event and stuff and had jerseys on. He yelled at them, hey, come over here. I, I know like your owner. Let's get a selfie together. And so I didn't even know they had wore the jerseys there. And, and here I'm getting the selfie, you know, getting that little bit of uh, small recognition of, you know, being out there. So I thought that was kind of cool. You know, they, they kind of pride themselves on, um, you know, being part of a, a community, part of the team, you know. Yeah, I think that is very... Uh, the healthy side of the competitive side of magic yeah, is having people who want to represent your brand, represent you, represent what the community is, right? If you've created a good culture and you've created a, a good place where people want to play and they're, it's not competitive in the, the negative sense where, you know, people feel right. unwelcome or intimidated or, or scared to participate, but they feel like we're all kind of rising together. You know, as players, you play together, you play well, you, you learn, you improve. And I think that's, uh, that was a big atmosphere or a big element of the atmosphere of a lot of the early days shops. You know, like there's a few like neutral ground and stuff like that that kind of became known as this uh, this breeding ground for really high level players, right? Like a lot of people in the Pro Tour came from a few select areas and a few select communities. And it's because they all, they had that culture of cooperation and like they played together and they played to win, but they played to also build each other up. And if you have that and you have that represented with your store, then they go out and they start spreading that message for you, which is all part of the you know, awesomeness of having people who are uh, brand ambassadors and all of that good stuff. Yeah, another thing, um, again, memory kind of serves me. It doesn't serve me very well, but um, so I hope, hope I'm not repeating myself. But the, in your local communities, I, I would say to other owners, you know, don't be afraid to, to build a, a relationship with each other. Um, that's one thing about Richmond I've absolutely loved, and it's probably one of my favorite things about this area, is 
we all just communicate and there's no, you know, stabbing each other in the back. And again, if I've already covered that, I'm sorry, but like, I just think that's really important um, because it just makes no sense to me to, you know, trample on each other and just build that rapport with each other is, is really important as well. So don't be afraid to go out there and, you know, go to another store and say, hey, I'm the owner of, you know, Modern Tabletop Gaming and this is what we do and how can we work together to build this, you know, community of flesh and blood or magic or whatever, you know, game is coming out. So, or I've even said like, you know what, I'm not going to actually do this because you guys have such a large community. I'm just not going to touch it, you know. So we, we just kind of do those kind of things and we do dinner once a quarter together. So it's it's kind of I really like that. So yeah, that's a point that I'm happy to hammer home more than once because that's something that we've revisited multiple times, and, it, and I think that is a, again another error that a lot of game store owners make when they're first getting into business is they think that they have to like undercut or compete or be aggressive with other stores in the area. You know, like depending on how close some of them are, perhaps, or how much your business models overlap. Uh, I feel like there is much more opportunity in being cooperative and like being friendly and, and creating this this bond. You can you can work together in ways where you can amplify what you're both doing. Like multiple store owners can uh, can work together. You don't have to step on each other's toes. You don't have to try and steal customers away from each other. Right. You can you know who knows uh, individuals are. You know, everyone's different. Who knows what's, what the uh, other store owners might be like. If that's what they want to do, then well, you got to do your best, right? But if you can cooperate with them, it's definitely a far superior strategy because, you know, who wants to be uh, working in an environment where you feel like the your fellow store owners who are going through the s similar experiences to you, like being a business owner is pretty lonely, you know, if, uh, if you don't have anyone to talk to you about this, the same kinds of things that you're going through, uh, but if you can connect with them, that, that's a very big asset. And it's a really good, like, long-term just mental health thing, just being able to talk to somebody yeah. who's going through the exact same things as you, same problems, same issues, same industry. That's very hard to find in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So if, you, if you've got that going on, like, I really like the idea of just once every three months, just getting together and having a, having a dinner and just talking shop. I'm um, thinking about another thing, too, is, you know, your employees, you know, who you hire, who you can trust, um, and I, I'm not, I hate using the word employees because I don't think anybody we have is really an employee. Um, you know, funny joke. Dion's always called me his his dad every time I come <laughs> in the store. He's like, "Hey, dad," you know, and he's been with me since the beginning, since we've opened, um, and uh, a couple other guys have as well. Um, but I think the same way you treat your customers, you got to treat your employees even better. Um, take care of them. Um, make sure you're you're, everybody's also aware of what's going on in the store, you know. So if, if I'm doing, if I get here early, like I'm always here early, always. which he's always yelling at me about. Um, what have I done this morning that I need to communicate with my team? Hey, there's a new product. Don't forget. Hey, don't forget to every customer that comes to the counter, um, remind them that hey, if they do this, we have this sale going on. You know, during a pre-release or a draft. Hey, do you need draft sleeves? You know. So everybody's got to be on the same page. That's the worst thing where you can do is somebody talks to one one um, employee and then talks to another and they're just not in sync. So I, I think, and that's kind of, you know, maybe shouldn't need to be said, but, you know, it's something to think about. I think the things that you probably don't think need to be said are the ones that probably need to be said. Those, yeah, are, the, those are the big blind spots a lot of times is the, the stuff that you feel like it's just everyone knows this. This is the assumption. This is the baseline, right? Those are the things that most people forget about or you know, maybe just don't realize in the first place because nobody talks about it. And right now we're at the beginning, well, almost the beginning of 2023. We've got another 11 months, the rest of the year. We're still, we're still fresh into Q1 right now, but uh, 2023 is, is, I think, going to be a very interesting year. We've seen a lot of changes and a lot of, uh, a fair number of upheavals in the hobby industry in the last like month to two months. What do you think is going to happen over the next uh, next 11 months, what do you think is going to happen over the rest of the year? Do you have any predictions? How do you feel about 2023 in the future? I think the games, you know, the games in the store and the hobby industry is going to continue to grow. You know, we're still fairly new to coming out of COVID, um, and I think people are definitely back out in full force now at this point. 
Um, but I, I think hobbies are going to continue to be a, a key point of, of contention with, you know, the industry because people want to get out, they, they want to relax and they want to en enjoy their favorite, you know, board game, card game, Dungeons and Dragons. Speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, I, I think, you know, that's been exploding lately. I think it's going to continue to explode. You know, you got the movie coming out and we get people, we, honestly, we probably get more questions and phone calls about D&D &D than any other thing. Um, we just, it's, people want to play all the time. I don't think it's a challenging thing to get into, but trying to have the space to have all those people was just, you know, we started a list of, a wait list for our D&D &D room and we got to like 50 plus people and yeah, we, we ended up like, hey, we're just going to get rid of the list because I don't think we're ever going to exhaust this list. Um, and uh, D&D &D is very hot, so I, I think that's a good thing. Um, and as far as, you know, as far as us here, I, I just want to continue to see it to grow, people to have a good time, um, continue to push the games that are, that are fun for people, um, learn more about board games. Uh, that's kind of one of my uh, downfalls. Is, is board games. Uh, I think those are very challenging because it's very difficult, the amount that comes out to sit down and learn all those games. Uh, we get customers come in looking at our games and what about this game? What about this game? What about this game? It's like, ah, and it feels bad when you say, oh, I haven't played that yet. I haven't played that yet. And then where do you find that time to, to play that? But um, I think I said it previously, don't be afraid to use your, your great customers who are here. Um, we have uh, so many people that will be looking at a game, and I know, oh, this guy, John over here, or whoever, or Frank or Bill, whoever, like, plays this game, you know? Hey, what do you think of this game? And they will they will now hesitate to stand up, come over, and be like, oh, let me tell you about Red Dragon Inn, and let me da-da-da, I got a copy in my car, let me show you it. And then, you know, that helps out a lot, because I, I can't know everything on the shelf, but having a smaller little game store community like that it just helps that you know the people who are here who come here like daily have no issue with explaining something for you they're an extension of your of your store and they want to be they feel good to be part of that so they have no issue with doing that so yeah no, i think that's a good point to emphasize is that if you build your culture right if you build your community right and you really invest in it they become a resource and they become like you said an extension of your business that you can you can lean on yeah, I wish um, you know, I wish I could add more to the to space to grow in the future too. But uh, that's kind of difficult with the the building and location. Um, I, I've thought about you know expanding like maybe another extension of our store somewhere else. Um, but for now, I, I think I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. And I think we talked about that before, like overextending yourself with product and games and stuff. I think it's kind of the same thing for me. Um, I don't want to lose touch with what I got going now. So I, I think where we're at, I hate to say that we're kind of steady state, but for now we're steady state. We're growing, we're, just by doing what we're doing, we're growing without having to do much. You know, treating people right again, advertising, marketing, having fun, and uh, I think we'll 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 be all right just doing that, those things. Yeah, you don't have to necessarily grow your square footage in order to grow your business. I just thought of this. I think this is a uh, an, an interesting question. I don't know what your response will be, but. What is the most difficult part about being a game store owner? Oh, man. Um, for me, honestly, I, I think it's all the, um, the financial part. And it's not the financial part of having money. It's the understanding of the financial part. And again, that's just me, though. Um, I, I did logistics when I was in the Army. So when it comes to the ordering and the organization of the store, you can ask him how OCD I am. Everything is – our system is like – categorized, coded, colors, everything is, is like on point. Um, I get a little overwhelmed by the financial part. I, I, I know like, am I making money? Am I not making money? Can I hire another guy? If I hire another guy, am I going to fall on my face? Um, so I think that that's probably the hardest thing for me. Other than that, I mean, I think everything else has run pretty smooth. And I, again, I think the 20 years of uh, being in the military and dealing with people has given me that um, profound, you know, portion of what I do here. Um, the way we treat people, you know, customer interaction and those types of things and hiring the right people and, and, and things like that. Um, cool. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see how accounting and cash flow could be an element of the business that not everyone's going to be comfortable with. There's a lot going on, right? That, that is tough. Right. There's a lot coming yeah. in and there's a lot going out and you 
getting the picture of okay how healthy is this profit and loss situation going right like that's a that's a challenge i can totally understand why that would be something that you might not be super comfortable with no sorry we talked about you know hiring people don't be afraid to hire people to do things for you so if, if you're if you're really really good at finances out there and you're running your business good for you but i'm not so you know i i, I pay that accountant hey here you go run my books Keep it up to date, and I'm just going to continue to run my business. That's just one less thing I have to focus on. And again, it goes back to that: you don't know something about something, and have somebody else do it for you. You know, don't be afraid to pay that extra money to have somebody, you know, take care of that portion of your your business. Because time is money. At the end of the day, time is something you can't get back. So if it takes you, if you're spending hours of crunching numbers for your business, that could be hours you're doing something else. Right. There's no point in falling on your face if you can help it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a really good lesson is outsource your weaknesses. Like, yeah. if it's just not your wheelhouse, that's okay because you're not going to be great at everything. Give it to somebody who's that's their thing and they're happy to just crunch the numbers. They love spreadsheets and they love the books. Give it to them. Make sure that they take care of it. You know, somebody that you trust, obviously, but give it to them so that you can focus on the things that you're really good at. Right. Obviously, it sounds like you're really good at, at, at marketing and branding and figuring out uh, you know how to reach new customers. And that's something that you you thrive in, the more time you spend on that, the more effective you are in building your business. So it makes sense to like, yeah. put the time and your energy in the things that you're good at. Yeah, I think one other thing that's challenging actually uh, is just finding new players um, for whether any game that be. And I kind of talked about it before, but there's already a community of you know gamers that are out there and gaming's not for everybody, but you're, you can only pull with so many people from so many places. So, and I think a lot of other companies see that challenge as well. How do we get new people into a game? How do I get people into this game? I've done a lot of different things, you know, bring a friend night, learn to play nights. Um, they've been, I'd say, semi-successful, but I just tend to find that it's very difficult as a store owner to create something that draws people in that are not already part of a gaming community. And I'll give you an example, you know, like a new game comes out, you're not just going to have random people off the street walk in and wanting to play this new game. It's typically your already gaming community that needs to play it. And then again, they're stretching themselves thin, maybe, I don't know their finances, but you start getting into more and more games, now you're spending X money here. Or what they do is they give up one game to play another. So um, that that's been a challenge. Is is how do we how do we get more people into you know this trading card game? How do we get more people into this trading card game? Um, I don't know the answer to that yet. I'm sure people got out there have tons and tons of ideas they've tried or has worked hasn't worked. And uh, it's also going to be different for every community. Every location is going to be different. Uh, I mean, if you're in the middle of North Dakota, you're probably not going to have too many gamers around, you know, in a community of 600 people or something. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's been a challenge, and I, like I said, I think major corporations have that challenge too. How do we get people to play this game? You know, so. yeah, no, I think that is probably one of the biggest challenges facing stores in general. Is the idea of like, oh, you've got this core audience that you know already understands the hobby industry. They already play some of these games, and they're just kind of moving around within the space, right? If you're a Magic player, like maybe you'll dabble in D&D a little bit, maybe you'll dabble in some of the other card games. But generally speaking, if you're in that audience, you've only got you know, so much money you're gonna spend every year on your hobby. And it's not gonna grow that much, right? On right. average. And if you want to grow your business, you need to reach outside of that, that audience, right? You need to reach people who have never heard about a board, board games beyond Monopoly or whatever, what have you. Right. You need to reach people who have never played Magic before. And you need to get them to, to be curious enough to come into the store and find out more, right? And the idea of like the bring a friend, I, I think makes a lot of sense, right? Using your core audience, using your community to try and increase that reach, get that word of mouth going, get some new people, some fresh blood into the store and, and try to introduce them into the game. I think that's something that every game store struggles with. Not just game stores, but like you said, like major publishers, big corporations. That's that's like their big goal. Their big the big thing that they need to do is because if you looked at the population of Canada or of the states, pretty much anywhere, the you know the core gamer se section of the population is probably just this tiny little fraction, one like percent maybe, right? You get the ninety nine percent of the mainstream 
or the mundanes, as my friend John likes to call them. You know, those are all people who have never played the game, never played, you know, a, a Euro game, maybe never played a card game outside of you know, Go Fish and that kind of thing. Like, how do you reach those people? And get in, because they would probably, I'm sure there's a, a huge swath of the population that could be gamers, that could be very interested. It's just maybe they've never been exposed to it or they there's some sort of a stigma around it because that's been the way that, like been the case for a very long time you know no one wants to be the nerd or at least that used to be the case yeah. until recently and, and that's i think going to be like this perennial you know uh, obstacle that game stores need to tackle in order to grow in order to succeed is to is to really tap into that mainstream market and have a consistent flow of people being exposed to the to the hobby uh, and gradually joining that core audience. And how that gets done, like you said, it's different for every community, it's different for every store, because you know, every store's a, a angle is a little bit different, the appeal's a little bit different, but that's something that I think every store owner needs to almost be thinking about constantly mm -hmm. if they want to ultimately succeed in the long term. Talking about success, I think that's a really great segue, because one of my uh, final questions is, specifically around success. That's the theme of the podcast, trying to build a successful game store. But success as a uh, as a term is very nebulous. It's ambiguous. It doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for everybody, right? So one person's success might be someone else's failure. So my question that I usually like to end podcasts on is what does success look like for you and for modern tabletop gaming? I think for me, just again, players in the seats. Um... I'm a very unique animal, and not to share too much personal things, but I mean, I, I'm retired military. So, you know, I have a pension that a lot of people can't rely on. So for me, I, I can invest and lose more money. And I, not lose, you know what I mean, but I can put more, I can pay myself less money and, and invest that back into the store. So for me, I don't mind at the end of the day of, People being in, you know, put, you know, letting that money go or putting that money back into the store to to get people in the seats because uh, he's probably heard me say it a dozen times during pre-releases and big events. Like I get this big smile. I'm like, man, look at these guys. They're all in the seats. They're and they're playing their favorite game. They're um, they're not on the streets. They're not, you know, out drinking. They're not, uh, you know, doing drugs or whatever. You know, maybe whatever you think about that way. And and that kind of excites me. Um, so I think success for me is just that the store can continue to run itself and people can just have a good time. I know I've kind of beat that dead horse a lot, but that is really true for me. Like, I just want people to have a good time. Like, Because at the end of the day, that is what it's about. Um, if you do that, again, you're, you're going to be successful because people are going to show up and they're going to to buy things. Um, so imagine going somewhere you don't have fun. You're not gonna go back. You're not gonna go back. Right. So yeah, yeah. success um, is a, a very powerful thing, and I think it definitely. My idea of, of success in this case is that big, growing community, like I talk about. Uh, the fact of cultivating all your people there, having that strong base of people who always want to come back and people who always want to, you know, help you grow and people who always want to help other people come into the hobby. That's what success is, in my opinion. It's just bringing more people into the fold, making them comfortable and really trying to expand and grow outward with other people. Yeah, and other people might, you know, there's nothing wrong. We're not taking away from the, the money aspect. Yeah, I, I would like to make money and I do want to make money. And if somebody's out there, you know, doing it just for the money, that's 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 fine, too. Like you said, everybody's success is different. I'm not looking to be a, you know, a global phenomenon or a multi-million dollar company. Um, I, I, I enjoy this part of it. I enjoy being that small little, you know, dot on the map where people can go in this community here. And that and that and that's fine for me. That's a good answer. I like it a lot, and I think that's that's why I like asking that question because it is very personal, and it's very unique to where you are in your life and what you want to achieve. But I think it's good to know to understand that not everybody's definition of success is is the same, right? Like if you get into this business, you can be very happy with. With a, you know, you don't have to be, like you said, you don't have to get to a million dollars a year. You don't have to be a seven-figure business in order to feel like you've achieved something. You that you you've gotten to where you want to be and you're happy. You can find success in a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great place to 
wrap up the conversation. I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a really good note to end on. So parting words, I want to ask before we plug the, start, the shop and, and tell people where they can find you and connect with you. Uh, do you have any last words of wisdom for somebody who is listening to the podcast right now and thinking, you know, this is, this sounds really cool. This is very much the kind of business that I want to run. You know, I'm, I'm going to open a shop just like modern tabletop gaming in my, my area, hopefully very far away from you. But what would you say to that store owner or potential store owner? Probably don't build on your own. I think a lot of people make that mistake is I know exactly what I want to do and I know how to do it. So I, I am on so many Facebook pages of owners and stores. I follow so many other stores across the globe on my Facebook for liking and I see their events and I take ideas. Um, you know, the wheel is out there. You don't have to reinvent it. Um, feel free to, I have called other stores and other states and asked them, hey, I saw this event you posted and I own this store here. I talked to the owner. I had a question about how successful was this for you and what would you have done different at this event? Um, I have message stores on Facebook. I have, you know, it, don't be afraid to do that. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and it, like you say, there's something that, you know, we've said or you've thought about or triggered a thought, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, shoot us an email, message, phone call, whatever. We're, we're here as well to provide back feedback of whatever was successful for us or what didn't work for us. Awesome. Well, where can people come and get you? Where do they go? What's your website? You know, like give, give them the info. Yeah, so our website is uh, www.moderntabletoprva, like Richmond, Virginia, rva.com. Um, we have a Facebook page, uh, Discord as well. That's a great place for the community to uh, talk. Our Discord's going off constantly with people chatting about their favorite games or the things they hate the most about their favorite game. All day, every day. <laughs> oh, my gosh, every day. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate both of you making the time twice to come back and finish the conversation. I, uh, yeah, very much appreciate the fact that you were able to uh, to give us your time and you know your generous wisdom for uh, today. No, thank you for having us. I was, you know, this was a great experience to be reached out to and be able to to do this for the community. So, thank Thanks you for having appreciate us. All. It. Appreciate it. Glad to have you on the show, and uh, we'll talk to everybody again in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast. All right, that's it for today's episode of the Maniverse Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you stay up to date whenever we upload. And if you like what you hear, we'd also appreciate a quick five-star review on iTunes. If you want to level up your marketing in 2023, check out the complete FLGS digital marketing course. The course is broken out into 21 days, and each day there's a relatively short video walking you through one particular strategy or tool for you to implement in your business. By the end of the 21 days, you will have all the pieces of the digital marketing puzzle put together for your game store. It's everything we put into practice for our clients and the perfect way to kickstart 2023 for your game store. You can enroll in the course right now by going to maniversesaga.com forward slash FLGS. Thanks again for listening to today's show. I'm Tom Traplin. I've been your host, and I will talk to you again in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast. Thank you.